Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, September the 29th, 2015. No, September 30th, 2015. I'm confused again. I'm yes, 30th. Yes. I'm confused because we're recording on Monday. Yes. <laughs> um, Tuesday, are you recording? I'm going to be out of, of, of town, so we need to record on Monday. So you're listening to the Talking Comics Bobcast. There you go. <laughs> Usually I leave the puns to the other Bob sitting in front of me, but couldn't help it. Stephanie is once again gone. Steve is also gone. So it is just Bob and I today doing the Talking Comics podcast. So, of course, I'm your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Bob Ryer. Hey there. It's just us. It's just the two of us. Much like that excellent Will Smith song. Um, it was much better than it was Bill Withers. I can't remember the name of the song. I it was know. just the two of us. It was, it was called Grover Washington Jr. and oh, Bill Withers okay, singing yes, yes. new inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Gotcha. I knew that it was. I knew that was that was taken from that yeah. song, but I didn't know it was called just the two of us. Um. So, Bob, they found water on Mars. Liquid, liquid water. Liquid Real? water. As soon, awesome. It, that it was there as soon, as close as a year ago. So it's not some ancient kind of thing. Uh, yeah, they found it. They, it was announced today. They released some reports. They had some pictures and stuff like that. So, does Ridley Scott have something to do with it? I don't know. It's funny because <laughs> The Martian is coming out on Friday. Yeah, and we talked about that book a couple weeks ago. And it's funny because it's science is very interesting because already maybe they're making things about that book obsolete, because, you know, or, or out of mm-hmm. date because of this announcement. But it's cool. I, I also think Water on Mars is a great name for an album, so people should steal that if yeah. if, if if they so desire. Um, cool. That science stuff is gets me excited. Yeah. So that means life could have existed, might still exist in some in form. Some form. It's they, they 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 theorize it's extremely extremely salt heavy, um, much much salt heavier than our saltiest salt water, um, but that it, it exists in it, and that it, mm-hmm. and that it's something that is. A, a present day thing, not something in the far flung past, which all these sort of reports have been in the past. Salt stops it from freezing, yeah, or more makes it more resistant to yeah. freezing. At the bottom of our oceans, people like Robert Ballard found at the bottom at volcanic vents where there's no light whatsoever, and in theory, no heat either. The steam and the magma, whatever coming out of these volcanic vents, creates hot pockets. That there's biological activity. And blind albino shrimp and crabs and giant worms with weird things that eat the sulfur and the minerals. And life can exist almost anywhere. It's true. So who knows? I've seen, you know, like the Planet Earth documentary where mm-hmm. they show you stuff like that. It's like nightmare fuel, those those like creatures. Yeah. I know they're just trying to survive, but they look 
terrifying. Yeah. They look like something out of some sort of horror novel or something. Yeah. And we're now that happened then. How far back could life have arisen there? Died away? Mm-hmm. Some catastrophe? Meteor craters? Whatever. Just as here, they're thinking life could have arisen more than the. There are three giant extinctions. There's the Permian, it's the Cretaceous tertiary boundary with the Iridium and blah, 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 the dinosaurs and mm-hmm. Alvarez and so on, whatever. And maybe even further back, could life have risen really quickly in water, got destroyed, back, destroyed, back. And so and if Mars has life, now we have two bodies within the solar system, maybe Europa. Who knows? Yeah. Not so rare anymore. No, not so rare at all. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool news, and uh, we'll all celebrate by going to see the Martian this yes, absolutely we will. <laughs> this weekend. Um, the Martian stars Matt Damon. Did you hear that thing? I, I, this is what happens with news, right? They, 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 somebody does an, somebody does an interview, and they they pull like little news bits from all the time. But they mentioned that Matt Damon mentioned that he got offered Matt Murdock back when Ben Affleck ended up taking the role. Sure, why not? It goes pops from one to the other. And turned it down, not because he didn't love the character or didn't want to do the movie, but because he wasn't sure of the director, uh, Mark Steven Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, which probably was a good good call on the, on that one, um, but said he would, he would star in a Daredevil movie now if Christopher Nolan directed it. Okay. That's, that's what he said. I think it's just him saying it, you know, but yeah. it, it's an it's interesting little, little thought piece. Uh, you know, obviously, it has to exist in a world where it's not part of this Marvel Cinematic Universe, right. where you know um, we're, we already have a Daredevil who's on the Netflix show and who's amazing and all that stuff. But just as sort of like a standalone sort of thing. What do you think of the idea of Matt Damon as Matt Murdock? I look. I didn't hate Ben Affleck mm-hmm. as Matt Murdock. I, there are parts of that movie I couldn't stand. Mm-hmm. The ending falls apart completely. I thought there was chemistry with he and Jennifer Garner, mm-hmm. but a lot of people think otherwise. Damon's a really good actor. He's certainly able to handle action. We look at the Bourne movies and a lot of the things he does. Maybe a, a lit, just a little bit baby-faced. Hmm. He's not, not as baby-faced edge. anymore. I mean, he's in his... But that was 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Now I, now yeah. I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Nolan Daredevil, I mean, it makes some sort of sense. Street-level hero, gritty. Marvel would never hire a guy like that. They want more of a blank slate. Right. It would have to be, like I said, some sort of like alternate universe thing that that existed maybe he can be batman (laughs) that would be weird (laughs) right nolan can make alternate universe batman movies he can do the real dark knight he can do the master race um so yeah but speaking of batman saturday was batman day I only found that about this afterwards. Yeah, sadly. So, I mean, they did it last year for the 70th anniversary, and they and it was so such a so, sort of a big hit. They did it again, and um, so uh, they did it again. And you know, it was just there was sales on Comicsology, and the comic book stores did sales. They had some little events that that happened here and there. Um, <clears throat> but the thing I want to ask you, Bob, I mean, we did a couple of years ago. We did sort of like a history of Batman thing for when they released the Dark Knight Returns movie. The animated movie, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when you think of Batman, when you hear the word Batman, what's the what's the one thing that comes to your mind first? It's gonna sound weird. It might be the Joker. Okay, you, you, word association mm-hmm. sort of thing. In terms of historic runs or stories or whatever, I mean, I'm drawn to Neil Adams. Mm. You know, the, the way he drew Batman—that cape was a living, breathing thing. Uh, so probably that whole period, it was Denny O'Neill, Adams, we did a lot of great stories back then. Uh, 
I say it to say the television show at a certain point, mm-hmm. which I was 10 when that came on the air. Uh, animated series too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when I, when I think Batman, I think the first thing I will always think of is the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton movie. It's the first thing that always comes to my head when I think of that. I think of um, the Danny Elfman theme and I think of um, sort of that first, you know, kind of opening sequence yeah. w- w- with the character, you know, tell, tell, tell your friends, tell your friends um, I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> People forget how big that movie was mm-hmm. when it came out. There were lines around the block. Right, yeah. You had to wait to get in to see a show. I remember I, I made a dentist appointment for that morning in Huntington, where I used to live, and went from the dentist to the movie theater because just up the street. It was the, the Shore Theater Huntington. It had a really nice screen and great concession stand, whatever, places to eat in town so I could have a quick breakfast and go see the first show of the day. And sitting in a converted balcony with a big vaulted ceiling, and that opening was pretty pretty impressive considering what the last Batman we had seen was Adam West. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So it has, it, look, it has its goofy moments. Mm-hmm. 100%, yes. You know, Bob the Goon and the Joker shooting down a jet plane with a with a, a cap gun or whatever he does. Yes. Uh, but there's a lot to love in that movie. No, definitely. There definitely is. And and I, you know, I that that was what defined Batman for me for the longest time. It was really I it was really kind of the, my first real Batman that I'd ever really experienced. Uh I think I I think if I'm you know, I, I watched it even before I ever saw the 60s television mm-hmm. show. And I watched the 60s television show cuz it was Batman thing and I would watch it and I watched that movie that they did as well and um got a lot of enjoyment out of that, but that is what I always think of as Batman and so that and so to this to the point where I really for the longest time could not stomach what is like the the real color scheme of batman like the gray and, and yeah the, the gray or and darker gray or the gray and blue i i just i couldn't i was like this isn't this looks stupid this is not batman batman it's is all armor, black in armor yeah, yeah yeah and his head doesn't turn <laughs> well the armor and the head doesn't turn thing uh that wasn't what it was for me I, it was really just the coloring the funny thing is is that the head doesn't turn thing i never even thought about it until they brought it up in batman begins <laughs> i never even th- I, never, I never even thought about the fact that batman doesn't turn his head Without turning his whole body in in the Batman yeah. movies, because that was just the way he moved to me. I'd never seen him move any other way, right. and I was like, Batman has a very distinct way of moving. That's kind of yeah, what I. He's like a cervical collar on. Is yeah, what it's like. exactly, exactly. And I, but I think it's funny because I think for a lot of people, you know, I think that um, the Christopher Nolan movies are to a lot of people, and I don't think it's even necessarily an age thing. I think it's just a. Uh, a perspective thing that's what they think of when they think of batman mm-hmm. like our, our friend jeff who does the man cave podcast that's what he always says like that's batman to me and, and I, I think it's interesting thing to play against what we're dealing with right now as we move into a different batman on, on the big screen mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and the honestly, comic books becoming much more back into the public eye again how all these different versions of the character sort of compete w- w- with one mm-hmm. another um if i didn't say one there's one aspect of the character that i think of it's funny because it's not the one that's really ever been shown well in any movie that ever done with it is, is, is a detective. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. That's the first thing that would come to my mind that way. I think, particularly in the first Keaton movie, he's more detective than we'll, we've ever seen since. Mm-hmm. I agree. He's sitting and sorting out what the Joker's doing. It's the computers, but his own common sense and what he needs to do when he makes connections to things. 
And that gets lost. There's some epic stuff afterwards, not counting Val and, mm -hmm. you know, George. But he's never quite that person again. He's supposed to be Sherlock Holmes and Doc Savage and Zorro and everybody sort of molded into one. Right. And the Holmes aspect is gone. Yeah. And I always, um, I, I don't know if you ever watched Dexter or not. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I always used to say, like, that's the way he kind of figures out that these guys are really bad guys. So he knows that they're the ones he can he can kill. Um and his voiceover and the way he went about things, I always said he's like he's like serial killer Batman because he did all the stuff that Batman's supposed to do. You know, very very clever. You know, would 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 stretch the law in order to f figure out who was guilty and who mm -hmm. wasn't. All this kind of stuff, and that was always my favorite aspect of that show was the way he would sort of detective out that stuff. And you never you get that in the animated series. He definitely does that in the animated series, but in the movies, I, I forgot who says this all the time, but I can't I can't remember who said it. Said so Batman in the movies is very much he's like a traffic cop. You know, he, he responds to problems, but yes. he's never he's never figuring out the problems before they happen. No, he's reactive, not proactive. Exactly, he, exactly. He, he's, he's, never the, he's never the one who finds this little clue and figures out from that one little clue that there's something so much bigger going on, you know? Bigger stuff has to happen for him to realize that he's yeah. on the wrong trail. Even Adam West was a better detective, <laughs> in, in essence, than mm -hmm. Christian Bale ever got to play. It's not his fault. He no. didn't write the things. Yeah. But he's never gotten to play that. He certainly could. Yeah, absolutely. He, he could oh, absolutely. definitely play that as, as it happened. And what's sad is look, we all jumped off of Gotham. Mm -hmm. Let's just say for the sake of it that each season, you know, we saw Bruce grow a couple of years. Right. And you, you went three years into the show, and all of a sudden Bruce Wayne is now 16, 17, learning to be that detective. And those Gotham stories would be Bruce Wayne as detective, not yet Batman, but in possession of those faculties mm -hmm. as they grow and turning turning into the person who could understand how to find those clues, how to move mm -hmm. forward, how to be the detective that we know Batman to be. But I don't know, did, did the new season of that start? It did. It started last week. So there's already the second episode, I think, uh -huh. airs this week. Um, it got like middling reviews, sort of... Um, um, you know, better than last year, but not quite there yet. Type of things, like we mentioned last week. I just, yeah. I, 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 I can't see the forest for the trees when it comes to that show. So I, I, I don't, I don't really partake in it because I, I, I know I won't have a, you know, a, a clear vision of of, right. of what's going on in it. Um, you know, I, I, I am the one thing I am excited for for this Batman vs Superman movie is to see. Ben Affleck be Batman and see how, what 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 he brings to the character and see what that character is, because um, I think they're going to bring aspects of the character that haven't been there before. Uh, I like the idea of him not being new Batman, you know. And they did that in you know in uh, the Tim Burton one, like it wasn't his first adventure, which I always mm -hmm. thought was a good idea when they did that. Um, but you know, I feel like in the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, and it's because this is how you structure things in in, in a movie. He he's kind of like in the first movie and the second movie, even the third movie, he's sort of learning how to be Batman in a lot of ways. And then by the time he learns the right way of Batman, he gives up being Batman. Well, twice, right? Yes, because he quits at the end of the second one. Yeah, yeah. because he's so in. He's oh, we'll go on a rant here. Yeah. <laughs> he's so wildly ineffective as Batman across all three films that he should quit. <laughs> Roz blows up the entire infrastructure of of Gotham City Transit. Blows up buildings, kills I don't know how many hundreds of people, blows up Wayne Manor, 
And he dies at the end because Bruce lets him die. Okay, you know, he deserves it, I guess. <laughs> the Joker blows the bejesus out of everything, uh, kills Bruce's girlfriend, maims Harvey, makes him a bad guy, and Batman gets turned into a villain semi on his own accord. And mm. the only reason two ferry boats full of people don't get blown up is they save themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Criminals do a better job of being Batman than <laughs> Batman does, and he quits. Mm-hmm. He then comes back, comes back, gets his house broken into, which is great, mm-hmm. uh, decides he needs to come back when he's not ready because his knee has no cartilage in it, and he's all busted up or whatever, but he has a super knee brace, and he goes out, and because he's not ready, Bane escapes, who then takes over Gotham City for months at a time and poisons and kills and nuclear bombs that don't make any sense and so on. And then he trusts Selina, who's already robbed from him, and he gets his back broken. Mm. Uh, go away. <laughs> Leave it to Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah. and just move on. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted, but go. He's Batman mm. in these movies for what, a year and a half? Something like in that. In essence. And Except for like the big gap between yeah. Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight, yeah. They're amazing, epic, structurally brilliant mm. films. Yeah. As Batman films, that's that's my I I, I own them. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch, but you have to separate. Right, I have to separate myself out of it. Yeah, thinking about it in the same way that the Burton films are. I I think there's I think that Batman Begins is the most Batman of, of the three movies. Yep. You know, it has that feeling to it. The way he, you know, obviously takes a lot from year one. He's doing a lot of that stuff, and buoyed by a lot of great performances. And the fact that he's sort of not getting everything right. And that one makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. he's a, that thing. And then the second one, it also makes sense because the Joker is the one person who makes things not right for Batman, right? He can't do it. He's like, there's, the, the way the Joker is just does not compute for Batman and it always takes a long time for him to figure out what the plan is. Um, but the problem is you don't, you never get the time where he's doing everything right. And so that, that kind of fall doesn't doesn't play as well, I think, mm-hmm. to me, as a Batman fan, as a Batman fan, obviously. And then the last one is obviously, I think the Dark Knight is a is an amazing movie, and I think that it's one of the, one of the best superhero movies ever made. It it has some of the best performances, you know, ever made. It has one of those definitive, one of those character defining performances in in Heath Ledger's Joker, um, and then the third one just has so many problems. Not even as a Batman movie, just as as a movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, in in general. And, and and so that's that that's a lot of issue with that. Um, to me, that's a movie. If you had pulled Batman out of it, mm-hmm. I'd have been just as happy with that being. A, if that was a Gotham movie, right? If if you dump, dump some some of Rucka's Gotham Central people or throw you know Rene Montoya, throw those people right. and have a Gotham movie, mm-hmm. I think you have a great movie there. Yeah, and a lot of the things that don't make sense make more sense as a police procedural mm-hmm. than as a Batman movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so we'll talk about Batman because we have to celebrate Batman Day. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it's a great time to be a Batman fan if you're a fan of comic books and, and you know, it, there's so many great runs to, to check out and, 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 and take in out there. Make sure uh, you go find the zebra Batman. <laughs> <laughs> if you read, uh, the Black Case book, which is Grant Morrison collected, like a bunch of stories that he mm-hmm. used as inspiration for Batman, R.I.P. One of the zebra Batman is, is in there. Um, so, uh, Bob? Yes. Silver Surfer's officially coming back. I saw, and they don't say when, sometime. Early 2016. 2016. Uh, that makes me very, very happy. Yeah. I'm still 
Fingers crossed that the surfer fixes everything. <laughs> he has the power of the shaper of worlds on his side now. You never know. He and Dawn could fix things. Have you? Are you caught up? Uh, yes, I am caught up. I am caught well, up. Well, she tries to remake you know, France, and yeah. it's just facades <laughs> because she's never actually been there. She's only seen postcards. That's brilliant. I'm yeah. so happy that's back. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. if we can get that team to do Fantastic Four. Yeah, though I think it's going to be Mark Wade and Chris Samney. That's not bad either. <laughs> not bad either. <laughs> um, there are some other new books. There I are, see. yeah. I haven't run down. Well, um, Moon Knight. Um, Jeff Lemire is taking over duties from Brian Wood and Warren Ellis before him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gregory Smallwood is, is the artist. I believe he was doing the art during the Brian Wood yes, I time. That. I believe that yeah, is correct. I think so. I had this all written down somewhere. Yeah. No, I didn't have that written okay. down. Okay. I'll look that up really quick while we're, while we're talking about this. So there's that. Um a new Mockingbird ongoing, uh, mm-hmm. Chelsea Kane. Who, who wrote the one shot, who which was very, shot. very good. Who's no wrote, artist announced yet. No though. artist announced yet is writing that. And then Infinity Entity, which is written by Jim Starlin with art by Alan Davis. Wow. Which is going to fo- focus on Adam Warlock and will tie into the Infinity Saga and then all up into the Infinity Finale, which is like his like big like thing he's doing at the end of the year. Which all might lead to Warlock being in one of these movies. Yes. <laughs> his cocoon is there. <laughs> I'm happy about that. You're happy about that? That's, that's a good set of announcements for the most part. It I, is. Moon Knight, I dropped off of after two mm-hmm. really bizarre but interesting issues, but it didn't sound like it was going anywhere. Yeah. Was it the second issue that had three words in it total or something? Like yeah, that? the second issue is what, what got me. It just there wasn't enough advancement in it for, for me. It, it it sapped away my confidence in in the in the in the thing itself. Mm. You know. Um. So uh, I'm actually going to look up uh, Gregory Smaller right now just so I can make yeah. sure that I have this right. Yeah, I wrote his name down, and that was about it. Yeah. It, it just, it, it's bringing, like, a, you know, um, thoughts of my mind to, to the past one. Um, unless I'm totally wrong about that. But <laughs> um, unless his name's not Gregory at all, I'm just I'm just. Yes, I, it, I have it as Greg. Oh, Greg. Maybe that's why I'm looking up Gregory and it wasn't coming up. As, as I use the Google food to try to figure this out. Um, I also do. I saw the the cover to Wonder Woman Earth One. Yeah, I didn't see that. It was on CBR. Oh, really? I did not see that. Um, she has the W, uh, sort of. Okay, but it's more of an eagle. Mm-hmm. So it, it's they've gone a little bit more retro. But so it's somewhere in between the two, but more eagle than W. Gotcha. She's a li- it's Yannick Paquette. She's a little busty. <laughs> And we we know Grant said a lot of interesting things about this mm. book already. That her visible invisible jet is now shaped like a lady's private parts, <laughs> and a few other oddball things. But he's also changed his tone, where he said it was going to be one thing, mm-hmm. and said no, we got halfway through running, and it can't be finished with a giant superhero battle. It's not going to be like that anymore. So I think it's it's gonna we're gonna throw everything at the wall and who knows what it'll turn up to be. Mm-hmm. But she's sort of standing on the cover in chains. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, it's the trial of right. it's her trial or whatever. Right. And it would a slight change in facial expression. I think would be nice. If she looked disdainful or defiant, it would be nice. Standing there, sort of nothing. You don't think she looks disdainful? I think she looks very disdainful. No, I think it looks very <laughs> flat. Oh, I think she looks very disdainful. <laughs> uh, interested to see where he goes with this. Mm-hmm. 
again, it was going to be the teen Wonder Woman, and that went the way of all flesh. It was going to be big battles. That's gone. Mm-hmm. Now it's there'll be 48 pages and no fighting, no superheroes, no men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm willing to give it a try. I'm not sure. I am very wary of the whole thing. As you are with all Wonder Woman stuff. Yes. <laughs> because most of it, frankly, lately. 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 Because we, we said this when we had everyone on the air, for all the talk about how tricky it is to do this and so on and so forth, over the last post-crisis, mm. from the post-crisis up, there are many more good runs than bad. And even the ones that are spotty, uh, Eric Luke, who did Ghost, did a run, and other people who, I love the burn stuff, other people don't. It's in and out because he changed, he put her back. He put her mother back in World War II so he could put Wonder Woman back in the Justice Society and so mm-hmm. that messing with history gets to people. But you go down the list and you know, it's, it's Perez and Jimenez and Gail Simone mm-hmm. and Greg Rucka and even Straczynski's run has a lot mm-hmm. of adherence. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I Mara, on a show that we just went up yesterday or early today, mm-hmm. has taken Wonder Woman from her pull list. Oh my God! Yeah, that took a long time. Yeah, she's she can't stand anymore. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I, she stuck around longer than I did. I bought one Finch issue and I had to go. <laughs> um, the writing was getting slightly better, mm-hmm. but now we have Evil Donna Troy. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. People are upset about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but she's on the cover of this Wonder Woman mm. uh, Earth One. Okay. She is. It looks like Hippolyta's on there. We might have Cassie Sandmark from the from the Burn days. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure the uh, Capulettuses are on there from Perez's. Uh, uh, looks mm-hmm. like it's possible Artemis is hanging out on the okay. corner. So everyone's there. So Egg Fu, I'm sure, will be there. <laughs> yeah. If there's a, if there is, I'm sure all the big characters and all the really weird characters that yes. everyone forgot or wanted to forget will be in, in the story. They all um, count. I agree with you. She is busty, but I like the way her her body is built. She looks very big. You know, she she's looks, muscular, looks powerful. very muscular, powerful. You know, um, that looks like the that doesn't look like that's the focus of of, of the art, which no. I like. Yeah, no, the couple of interior pages have been dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, Paquette is a great artist. Yeah, yeah. So I think it'll mm. it'll it'll work itself out as we go. And now, if the story, if it's loopy but not insane, yeah, this could work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Crash and burn too, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We got to be in there. We'll got to be in there for the pitch. I'm excited to see what what, what we get yeah. out of it. Um, really quick, I saw this thing, cool thing uh, on Twitter today. There's a New York Times article. Uh, Mark Miller, um, who we've talked about in both positive and negative light on yes, this uh, on this true. show, uh, he's doing a pretty cool thing uh, on his website where he is um, letting unknown writers and artists pitch to do stories with his characters that he's going to wow. release in an anthology. So five pages of story and art that he'll he'll, he'll release in an anthology, I think, at the end of the year um, or, or early next year. Um, and all the proceeds from the sale of the book will go towards the Hero Initiative. But he's going to be paying the the creators standard starting Marvel and DC page rates. Hmm. So $90 a page for writers and $200 a page for um, artists. Um, and uh, 
So it says here, so starting Monday, which is the day we're recording this, um, through October 30th, Mr. Miller will accept writing and drawing samples on his website, uh, millarworld.tv. He will then pair six writers and six artists to create short stories featuring his characters. The teams will be paid an industry paid rate and will have their work published next year in the first annual Millar World New Talent Showcase. The book will benefit the Hero Initiative, which helps support comics creators in need. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. His characters yeah, so, are. So, I mean, what's the list we have? We get right to here. use. Um, so, um, you can. Oh, wait, where is it? Right here. Uh, here I'm going to just click on the thing and, and get, get it up here. So, I know that one of them is a. Um, so, here we go. So, a uh, kick ass story set between books one and three, okay. um, five pages. A Kingsman story starring Eggsy, who is obviously the main character, five pages. A Hit Girl solo adventure four pages starlight starring young duke mcqueen on on tantalus uh five pages that of course that's the that's the book he released last year about the kind of the guy who goes off to be this hero of this other world and oh, goes yes. back in his old uh, american jesus set during the first book five pages and chrononauts set in the past during first book four pages um a little bit for everyone i like so, that yeah if you go to millarworld.tv um, Mittlerworld.tv. I'm saying so funny. I said his yeah. name right. The thing about it was the, the website, right? Uh, you can you can find the entry stuff for that. And if you're if you're excited about you know pitch, there's submission guidelines on there, and you might get picked paired with an artist and get to write something that gets published. Hit girl sells Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> you gotta write. You gotta write the pitch, pop. Yeah, that's it. That's and, all. And you so need that more is. than that. It's high concept, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. You know, I think that's it's it's you know, uh, you know. I know nothing about Mr. Miller personally, right? So we've talked about his writing and, and how there's stuff we like about stuff we don't like about it, um, and how he might have, you know, he might he seems very sure of himself. Let's let's, let's put yeah. it that way. Um, you know, he's and for very good reason. He he is a hugely successful comic book crossover writer, um, more than most people ever ever will be in their lives. But it's very nice to see him. He's paying us out of his own pocket. All the page rates are coming out of his own pocket you know to give another generation of people it's good pr for him but it's also good for these people they might it, their story might get read by somebody and that might getting a job somewhere yeah. because they were able to tackle known established characters and do it in, in a way that the creator is happy yeah, with. keep them on model tell a new story exactly Look, he may end up being able to launch a line of books based on a set of new creators if this turns out brilliantly yeah absolutely absolutely it's much the same thing i mean it happened uh with image a, a few years ago you know uh they did profit um, and Glory, and that gave, you know, Brandon Graham wrote Profit for a long time. Joe Keating wrote Glory. These are both Rob Liefeld characters, and they completely like, reinvented them and recreated them. You know, that was part of like an initiative yeah. on that side. So it's, I think it's a, it's a really cool thing and a really cool idea. Maybe um, Rob Liefeld will pitch something to Mark Miller. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Combined forces. Um, we got a poster for Agent Carter Season 2. No hat. No hat on, in the poster, but she has the hat. Every every single time you see a picture of Haley Atwell, she has the hat. Okay. And so does James Darcy, and so does everybody else who's like in her orbit is, okay, wearing, is wearing the hat. Um, what do you want to see from Agent Carter Season 2, Bob? Um, I'm a big fan of the whole, that sounds awful, McCarthyism era. <laughs> so I, I think there are ways to do that really well, to get into how the, our country was changing post-World War II. Mm. The soldiers came back, and we saw some of that with season one where women who were doing jobs now didn't have them anymore as they got pushed back mm -hmm. out of out of the spotlight so to speak so i think we continue to address that how have we've seen in ant-man peggy is around the creation of shield yes. we don't know exactly where mm -hmm. in the one shot that just came out in, in comics we saw some of that too as to where she'd fit in so i i want to see the evolution i want to see him 
fit the pieces in mm-hmm. moving Absolutely. forward. I'd love to see, we're going to see, I think, some Black Widow. Not Natasha mm-hmm. Black Widow, but Dorothy, Dottie, whatever you want to call right, her, is yes. going to be around. I'd like to see some investigation of that in-between period. We, we had that Shaken book, Avengers 59, mm-hmm. a couple yeah. of years ago. That yes. was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I know they're doing a one-shot Agents of Atlas. Atlas mm-hmm. was what Marvel was between Timely and Marvel. It's what they were during the 50s. And they had characters like Marvel Boy. That's when they brought back the Torch, Namor, and Cap. And they had Venus and some of these other things going on in the 50s. It could be fun to have Marvel Boy and Gorilla Man and some, some weirdness because we've now established the Kree were here. They're in humans here mm-hmm. and thousands of years ago. Could she find some goop? Yeah. I've been interested to see. I want to see um, some good old fashioned. I mean, because a lot of Agent Carter, right, is her working kind of behind Shield's back or the beginning of Shield's yeah. back. You know, this, you know, the, the strategic security, science, signif- security, whatever, science yeah. security, whatever. Um, now that I, I feel like this shield will have will be kind of created at this point, I'm interested to see the sort of some, some adventures there. I want to, um, uh, I, I would like to see them, you know, delve into some of those things we've seen in like you mentioned Avengers Nine, the thing in um, uh, the Winter Soldier, Bitter March, like mm-hmm. Agent Ran Shen, stuff like that. Those kind of characters we haven't seen. I would, I'm still, I, I feel like they're still gonna do it. I feel like Marvel's still gonna broach the idea of there being another Nick Fury. You know, that almost like that's a, a code name for the, the, the head mm-hmm. spy or whatever. I would like to see like a traditional, like the old eye patch, you know. Yeah. Uh, David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff, Nick yeah. Fury. <laughs> uh, at, at the ultimate that will never happen, mm-hmm. and we had Steve Englehart on a couple of years ago when we, he and I were discussing his wonderful Cap of the 50s story. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they, they, they're all still connected, so maybe they will. Yeah. But it, Maybe for season three of Agent Carter, we've Shield had OSS, whatever mm-hmm. SSI, whatever mm-hmm. they call themselves. Too many S's, too many vowels. <laughs> vials of Captain America's blood. Mm-hmm. Could you recreate the Super Soldier Serum and create a maniacal, bigoted, evil Captain America? Yeah, absolutely. And have Peggy have to take him down? Yeah, I think you can absolutely do that. And I think that I think in the past, um, you know, the Russo brothers have talked about how much they liked that that storyline mm-hmm. and, and that idea. So I think that's still definitely on the on the table for, for something. Um, Captain America's been in the news a lot because uh, Evan said he doesn't want to stop doing the movies. He'll do the movies as long as Marvel wants him nice. to do the movies. Um, and, you know, um, Sebastian Stan said he doesn't want to be Captain America. He's perfectly happy being the Bucky character and, and doing Winter Soldier stuff. I'm liking this. Yeah, so... So we'll see what happens. Look, with he'd have been good as Cap, and he can stand in his Cap here yeah. and there. Yeah, yeah. They asked Anthony Mackie about it too. He said the same, same idea, thing, same thing. But if you've got, I hate to say it this way, the real Captain America. <laughs> I I've said this before. Chris Evans as Captain America might be the most perfect superhero thing mm-hmm. since Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. That may be the only thing that even tops it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There. there we, there's always he embodies the soul of that character more than I think I've ever seen. You know, we, we talk about Robert Downey Jr. and he kind of reinvented the the, the character of Tony yeah. Stark. I mean, a lot of what he does is what, who, how Tony Stark always was, you know, over very, very braggy, very, you know, uh, egomaniacal, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But Robert Downey Jr. reshaped what that character was be, into kind of 
his own image, right? It became Robert Downey Jr. kind of in in this yeah. in this suit. But Chris Evans didn't step in there and make Captain America Chris Evans. He he made Chris Evans into you know it's Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Yeah, which is which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And a character that people forgot about, didn't know about, didn't know they could care about mm-hmm. is now the anchor. Yeah, absolutely. For, for these films. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I do really. One thing I do really hope in the movies coming forward, I really, I hope that the Thor Ragnarok movie is great because I feel like Thor is like the series that kind of gets like a little bit of short shrift. I mean, I think the first one is very good, mm-hmm. but I think because the second one wasn't better than the first one, you know, I don't think it's worse. I think they're pretty no, they're about they're, even. They're about yeah, even. I agree. But because it didn't improve on it, like a lot of the other ones did. It, 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 I think it gets it has like kind of a bad taste in the mouth or everything. But Chris Hemsworth is so good as that yeah. character that I, I just hope that it 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 gets a good send off or he gets a good send off if it, if it is going to be his last movie. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, what's his contract? Yeah, I think it's it? it's the same as Evans, the same as okay. those, those guys. So I think it's coming up to to, to an end. Well, he's a Ghostbuster now, so he is. <laughs> he is. Um, I re- I rewatched Cabin in the Woods this weekend. Oh, I love that. It's movie. a good movie. I <laughs> the very beginning. I love the opening scene where it establishes all the characters. Um, not the one with uh, you know Bradley uh, right. Whitford and uh, and Richard Jenkins, but the one where you get to meet the like the the core cast of of kids or whatever. And there's that really opening first opening moment where it's just it's just a perfect uh, I think Whedon type moment where uh, Chris Hemsworth comes in and um, you know the girlfriend is has holding the books and he's like, "Who taught you about these?" Where did you get these? <laughs> She's like, I learned it from you, and she runs out of the room. Just a great, like, funny moment. And then yeah. he, I like, a, you know, it's subverting kind of expectations. Well, especially she's the dumb blonde. And, yeah. And if, for people who haven't seen the movie, that's mm. part of the plot too. Yeah. As we go on, she's actually taking these tremendously hard courses. Yes. And as they talk later on about the, the way he Hemsworth is acting, mm-hmm. he's he's not here on an athletic scholarship. He's yeah. a brain. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. Absolutely, this is all turned around, which is a lot of fun. People should watch that movie, especially because now it's uh, it's October ish. Yeah, time to rewatch that one. Time to rewatch that. You know what's funny with that? There are people who didn't go see it because they just thought it was something else. Mm-hmm. And I was complaining when the trailer came out that I thought it gave something away. But what it gives away, it gives away in the movie in the first minute and a half. Yeah, it just turns that on its head too. It's like, well, here's what you think. Here it is. Yeah, and it's even worse than you thought. Yeah, it's even crazier. Absolutely, because I, I think I I'd heard about. One of the trailers came out. I was reading on websites like people like don't watch the trailer. It gives away the secret of the movie or or whatever. And then when you watch the movie, like you said, it's the first thing that you see yeah. is that secret kind of given away, which I think is very interesting. Um, watch that. Also watch Trick or Treat because it's really really good. Is there a second one of those finally coming? He says there is a second one to work, but that the his like Christmas horror movie is coming out this year, Krampus. Oh. and it's the first movie he's made since since that movie. Um, so the uh, the Harvey Awards. Happened over the weekend, um, and we have some uh, some winners here. Uh, best writer, uh, we had a uh, Mark Wade for Daredevil, one best writer. Yeah. Um, nominee is Jew Will Wilson, Brian K. Vaughn, Jen Van Meter, and Jason Aaron. Um, for Jen Van Meter for that Death to Find Doctor Mirage, yes. which you'll never read, Bob. Yes, I have. Oh, you have. Our friend Lauren lent it to me. Ah, did so? Did you? What do you think of it? I loved it. Oh, nice, awesome. The second one is beginning soon, I believe. It is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, best artist, uh, Fiona Staples won for Saga. What a surprise. Yes. An upset. Uh, uh, the um, other nominee is Clayton Crane for uh, Rye, uh, Robert, Roberto De La Torre for The Death Defying Dr. Mirage, Chris Samney for Daredevil, and Jillian Tamaki for The One Summer. Uh, 
You want to read Best Cartoonist, Bob? Best Cartoonist nominee, well, winner Terry Moore for Rachel Rising, which should make Stephanie very happy. Yes. Uh, Steve Bryant, Voltaire Compendium, Dark Horse. Howie Chaikin, Bloodshot Number 25 from Valiant. Pharrell Dalrymple, The Wrenchies, mm-hmm. first, second book. First I don't second, know that yeah. one. Uh, Dan Parent, Kevin Keller, Archie Comics. And Andy Runton, Exo, Man of War, Number 25. Awesome, awesome. Best Letterer, I'll get yeah. to. Jack Morelli for Afterlife with Archie. That, that was mm-hmm. creepy lettering. Uh, Audrey Ais, Lumberjanes. Daron Bennett, Hacktivist. Ed Dukeshire, The Woods. And Josh Reed, Damsels in Excess. It's a good name. Yes. It's a really good name. Um, Inker, the winner was Danny Miki uh, for Batman, um, obviously. Uh, great, great, great Inker. And I, I, oh, I will say this. Um, if you want a good example, and I think this is a really cool thing they do, DC does like, these like noir editions of books, and there's one of Hush coming out. And I, I don't love mm-hmm. the, I don't love Hush, but Jim Lee did an interview about it, and he said the reason we want to release it is because you get to see what the inking really does to a book, because you can you see what my line art looks like, and then you see what it looks like without the color, mm-hmm. so you can see the structure and difference that they bring to it. And, uh, um, and I think that, that's an interesting thing because I think I, I think inkers are the are really the the, the the least respected. They're tracers. They're tracers. If, if chasing Amy and definitely yeah, yeah. put that in all, in all our brains. Um, so Danny Miki won, but uh, Roger Landbridge for Jim Henson's The Musical Monsters of Turkey Hollow, uh, Mark Pennington, Armor Hunters, Joe Rivera, The Valiant, and Wade Von Grawbadger, all new X-Men. Um, Wade Von Grawbadger is, is very much a, a Immunin, Immunin um, partner, I think. Ah. Uh, you see that name on all of the stuff that the Inman does. Uh, best colorist. A uh, winner was Dave Stewart, Hellboy in Hell. Uh, we talked a lot about Dave Stewart over the years. Elizabeth Brettweiser for Vel- Velvet was nominated. Mm-hmm. Jordi Belair, Moon Knight, uh, Laura Martin, Armor Hunters, and Matthew Wilson, The Wicked and the Divine. That's some lineup right it's, there. It's, yeah, yeah. You're just missing Matt Hollinsworth is the only one you're missing. Right, yeah. How uh, did he not get in there? On that one. Not a lot of issues of... Uh, um, Hawkeye came out this yeah, year. I mean, he does true. a lot of other stuff. I don't want to do that. Right. He does. Uh, he does those witches as well. But <laughs> um. uh, best cover artist was Fiona Staples for Saga, mm-hmm. and I you should give everything else she does when she throws in her Red Sonja covers and so many yeah, other things. Yeah. But she's brilliant. Uh, Mike Domundo, Electra, Francisco Frank Gavilla, Afterlife with Archie, Jenny Frizen, Revival, and Chris Samney, Daredevil. All right. Most promising new talent: Chad Lambert, Kill Me from Dark Horse Presents was the winner. Steve Bryant, Athena Voltaire. I did get a look at that. One of our uh, forum people. It's a sort of 30s throwback. She's sort of a cross between Indiana Jones and Lara Croft hmm. sort of thing. Kind of interesting. Uh, Steve Bryant did the Steed Mrs. Peel that I was reading. Oh, okay. And it's interesting. His art turned completely around. There are now great backgrounds and his faces are awful. <laughs> but it, it, it was very, very good. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Ghost Fleet. Babs Tar for Batgirl and Jen Van Meter for the Death Defying Doctor Mirage. All right, uh, best new series. The winner was Southern Bastard from Image Comics. The other nominees were Bitch Planet from Image, Lumberjanes from Boom, Ms. Marvel from Marvel Comics, and The Wicked and the Divine from Image Comics. Pretty sure that was almost exactly the same list that we had. Yes. Ours last year. Yeah. Minus, I think Southern Bastards. Um, Best continu- continuing or limited series. Uh, well, this is split between two pages. The suspense is killing me, yeah. Bob. Uh, the winner was Saga from Image Comics. The other nominee, Southern Bastards from Image, The Valiant from Valiant Entertainment, Afterlife with Archie, um, Archie Comics, and Daredevil Marvel Comics. Uh, we're doing best syndicated strip. Yeah, you can read uh, the winner. Some, Why not? Dick Tracy, Joe Staten, who did E-Man for years mm-hmm. and years, did uh, Power Girl, All-Star back in the day. 
Dilbert, Scott Adams, Foxtrot, Bill Ammond. I didn't know they were still printing that. <laughs> On our papers here, on get, get Fuzzy, Darby Conley, and Mutz, Patrick McDonald, which I definitely see every, mm-hmm. every day. Best Anthology, we never do this category ourselves, no. but, but I always pick Dark Horse Presents for my own <laughs> list because it's about the only anthology out there. Although this year, mm-hmm. we have The Island, among other things. We do, yes. Uh, which continues to come out and be hard to find. <laughs> and the stories just together, they're not issue to issue to issue. They're one and three. Mm. And, so it's, you got to get the whole box set. Uh, okay. In the Dark, a horror anthology. Little Nemo, Dream Another Dream. Masterful Marks, Cartoonist Who Changed the World. And Wild Ocean from Fulcrum Publishing. Hmm. Um, so we'll just, uh, for a couple of other ones, we'll just run down mm-hmm. some of the winners here. Um, best Graphic Album. Original, Jim Henson's The Musical Monsters of Turkey Hollow was, was the winner uh, on that one. Um, I don't really understand what best graphic album means. Um, <laughs> I think they don't want to use the term novel. Graphic novel. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because I was like, these just sound like graphic novels. Well, yes. Because um, Athena Voltaire was nominated, the Comendium Seconds, Seconds. Yeah. The Wrenchies, and This One Summer were all nominated um, for, for that. Um there's there's best graphic album previously published, which was we used Mouse to call Gu- trade paperback or collections. <laughs> yes, but but Mouse Guard, Baldwin the Brave, and the Other Tales won, won that one. Um, so, uh, any best single issue or story? Sure. Uh, winner was Breaking Out. Dark Horse presents number thirty five, but also Armor Hunters number one from Valiant. Jim Henters, the storyteller, Witches number four, Arcaea Boom Studios, Multiversity, Pax Americana from mm-hmm. DC, and Rye number one from Valiant. Valiant's getting a lot of love. It's true. Uh, I just read the winner for the next next one. Oh, the best domestic reprint project was Taranko Nick Fury Agent Shield Artist Edition from IDW, mm. which is glorious, and I can't afford it. <laughs> Though we, we, I did get a gift of one oh. uh, from at the our two hundredth of, oh. of the uh, it was the Jack Davis uh, horror stuff. Oh, nice, nice. Those uh, anyone's not seen those. They aren't coffee table books. If you put four legs on them, they'd be coffee tables. Yeah, they're, they're about two feet long. It's huge. the size of the art boards. They're just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, best American edition of foreign material was Black Sad Amarillo from, from Dark Horse. Uh, also nominated was Beautiful Darkness, which Steve talked about on one of our oh, yes. one of our issues. Yeah. Um, best online comics work: uh, The Private Eye, Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, and Montsa Vicente. One. The other nominees were uh, Albert the Alien by Trevor Mueller and Gabrielle Batista. Battle Pug by Mark Norton. Girls with Slingshots by Danielle Corsetto. And Space Mullet written by <laughs> Daniel Warren Johnson. See, I'm saving this list because we always need things to look we, at. We do. Yeah, we so, do. Yeah. What's funny is that, and this is like one of those things where I, I don't really mean this, but I sort of mean this. It sort of feels unfair that like Brian K. Vaughn and yes. Marcus Martin are nominated for this. I mean, I know they're doing online comic work and it's really cool that that big creators are just doing online only stuff, but give give other people yeah, a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do the Oprah thing and say, I don't want to be up for this award. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, there's a story about Special Award for Humor in Comics. Yes. Uh, the nominees were James Asmus for Quantum and Woody from Valiant, James Asmus and Fred Van Lente, the delinquents, also from Valiant, Fred Van Lente, Arch and Armstrong from Valiant, Ryan Brown, God Hates Astronauts from Image, and Chip Zdarsky, Sex Criminals, Image Comics, who was the winner. The award is called Special Award for Humor in Comics. He, Mr. Zdarsky, has refused his award because the book is as much Matt Fractions as his. He apparently asked the Harvey Committee, which is all pros, this is not us voting online or any of those sort of things, it's not fan vote, it's industry professionals in a big vote and then an open vote after for the nominees. 
and he asked them to either add Matt's name or remove him from consideration. They did neither. Hmm. So now he's saying, because he's Chip Zdarsky, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get the award, and I'm going to carve Matt's name in the side of it, and then put it up and take the proceeds from the sale and give it to the Hero Initiative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he said, call it something else. I don't yeah. know, be best something, but not, not special award, because it's not special, and maybe mm -hmm. it's not even funny, and right. we, we, Matt's name should be on it. That, right. that, so good on him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best biographical, historical, or journalistic presentation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Ultimate Visual History uh, by Andrew Farago, Inside Editions. Um, best original graphic publication for young readers, Lumberjanes took that one home. Uh, Sisters, SpongeBob Comics, This One Summer, and Jim Henson's The Musical Monsters of Turkey Hollow were all nominated. And special award for excellence in presentation, Little Nemo, Dream Another Dream, Andrew Carl, Josh O'Neill, Chris Stevens, and Locust Moon Press won that one. So... Those are your Harvey Award yeah. winners. Named for Harvey Kurtzman, mm -hmm. who wrote for Mad Magazine, helped create it for years and years, and years, did war comics, moved on, and did all sorts of other stuff, including Little Annie Fanny for Playboy. Little Annie Fanny. Yeah, you know, with Bill Elder artwork, who was <laughs> with Mad as well. So, Harvey Kurtzman it is. All right. Should I finally talk about some books? Sure. You can do that, right? You want some, uh, some time on the clock here, Bob? I'm going to put... Okay, okay. Three minutes on the clock. Just give me one second here. I'm going to get this up. All right. You have three minutes and go. Starting with Batgirl number 44, Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, of course, but Bengal on the art. And in this issue, we learn more about the Velvet Tiger, which as a character name is a nice shout out to those awful 80s paintings and posters. Uh, she has a lot more connections to Barbara's life than we might have thought. And that life is going to get even more complicated because she now has a new partner and perhaps a new love interest in Luke Fox. Oh. Red Sonia 18 is Gail Simone's final issue as writer. And here we're finishing up the tale of the Dowager Empress who so hates that her female subjects have education that she wants the library burned to a crisp and has sent her Viper Squad to kill Sonia for defending the nuns of Ehrlich who run it. There's action, sure, but there's also unexpected tenderness that has made this such a special book. I'd never read Red Sonia except mm. little bits and pieces. And I'm really sad that Gail Simone's leaving here because I don't know that I'll get back to this. But uh, third trade will be out fairly soon, so there's just three lovely trades of that. Another thing coming to an end was Empire of the Dead Act 3. This is number five by George Romero, and it's art by Andrea Moody this time around. And that's a finale entirely. And it's a really satisfying conclusion that does have quite a bit of surprises to offer before it shambles off the stage here. Uh, the third trade that completes this is out, due out in about two weeks. So zombie fan, Romero fan, whatever, there's a lot of great stuff to be had in Empire of the Dead. It started with Alex Maleev, who was really mm -hmm. off the charts, but Andre Muti is very good too. Yes. So that's that. Uh, it's a trilogy of things coming to an end. It's Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps number four, which rings down the curtain on Kelly Sue DeConnick's coda to the regular Captain Marvel aria. And this certainly hits all the notes. And it's pitch perfect because anything you thought about what Carol was is here. And because no matter what world she's on, Carol Danvers is going to be Carol Danvers mm -hmm. and no God Emperor Doom is going to tell her that she can't go punch holes in the sky. Uh, lovely farewell letter. Uh, thanking everyone who read the book, worked on the book, whatever. And that sends me to no end that this is the last time I'll be spending time with these two very special ladies. So Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, number four. Joey Buccino did a lovely review on our site, so I advise everyone to check that one out too. That's it for me. You have 40 seconds left, Bob. 
I also read Harley Quinn and Power Girl number four, mm-hmm. which has gotten especially goofy. <laughs> it's Amanda Connor and uh, Stefan Rue, who did uh, Satana back mm-hmm. in back in the day. It it takes place in about three issues, uh, three panels in between some other book. Uh, Power Girl still has amnesia, and it's the dreaded Vartok. So right. anyway, there's one more issue to go to that one. I probably will say more about that then. All right. Did you see they released a, like a little clip from Jessica Jones? No, I haven't. Another te- a real clip instead of just the teaser. Yeah, it's still just a very it might, like it's still very much teaser. It's just um, it's sort of like this moving shot like overhead, and you know you can't really see her face or anything. But she's like passed out on the bed, and you know it's like it's like two thirty in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and she's sleeping, and there's like you know. Like empty bottles of liquor and like pizza boxes and stuff wow. like that and like very and then the the alarm starts going off and it's just the only thing in the shot is she, she turns the alarm up but she like crushes the alarm clock with her bare hand. Nice. Um. So interesting because it gave that sense like she is a super she's super powered being you know it's not she's not just a normal normal person so I think that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Step up from the first one was just an image. Yes. And now we're getting into who yeah. she is. I yeah. like that. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're getting close too. We're not that far away. Two months away from from seeing that. By maybe by then I'll have seen Daredevil. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Did, did they have a release date for that? No, no, no. That's crazy. I figured they would have a release date. By I don't now. think so. I think the Flash is due out. It or is. just came out. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, just in time for a season two of that, which is next week, week after. Yeah, I think it's like next that. week. I think yeah. it's the ninth. No, that wouldn't make sense. That it would, but it's like that week. So this this week is. I guess like the sixth or the seventh yeah. or whatever, whatever the next next Tuesday is. Right. Um, that's the day. Is Shield good. this Tuesday? You know, I'm not. Well, we're sure. Wednesday, but it's Monday, so it's yeah. today. Is now. it? Is it today? I think it might be. Okay, I don't know. I'm excited about that. Yes, I watched the those the series premiere of Scream Queens this past weekend, and uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm I like Ryan Murphy stuff. You know, he did American Horror Story, he did mm-hmm. Glee, did Nip Tuck. Uh, I like his stuff. You know, he gets a little bit wacky for me, and even his stuff is, starts out wacky, but then he like takes it to another level of wacky. Or usually around like season four, he starts to yeah. like he, he, he's like running out of like normal ideas, yeah. and he has to go really far ahead. This one seems like it's like starting from season four in a lot of ways, but. Um, it has a dynamite performance from Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. She is awesome in it. Um, she's she's great. So uh, for her alone, it, it, okay. it's it's worth watching. I'll give that a shot. Uh, but it's got a great cast. I mean, um, Emma Roberts is, is really she plays a really horrible person in almost everything that she's in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's really great in it. And um, uh, Leah Michelle is in it as well. And you know, a, a bunch a bunch of people in her. And it, it's very good performances and then you know you have to like quirky you have to like sort of zany and over the top stuff and you know i think in the pilot there's um almost too much going on for its own good you know there's a lot it's constantly throwing stuff at you like the like the i think it would have served better if the mystery was a little bit more crystallized you know a little bit more like clear about what exactly the mystery was going to be but there's still good stuff in it and I, I it, it's got a lot of style so i i would suggest okay it, you never know where it'll crystallize down the road to what you want it to be or something even different that might be better exactly but in the meantime they're all out there to be picked from exactly exactly and, and I, you know it has bob and i along with a couple of other friends started shooting our halloween movie yes. this past weekend it has some stuff in common let's say with what we are doing hmm. <laughs> We were doing it first. It was we, our idea first. Yes. 
so we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. But there are definitely a couple like very, very, very funny moments in it. Some nice sort of like gore stuff for especially for like a Fox Network show. Um, and again, Jamie Lee Curtis is awesome in it. She's just awesome. Uh, really, really great. Uh, she she. She had she was on some panel I think at Comic Con and they asked her like why she you know, she's never hasn't really been acting for a lot of years yeah. she she does everything once in a while like she played Zoe Deschanel's mother on New Girl really and so, yeah something like that like for episode here or there um, and she said like well I've been selling you yogurt that makes you poop for ten years so I think <laughs> yeah. it's time for me to go back to acting <laughs> that's great she always said she could walk away whenever she felt like it. yeah she did yeah big but, fan big fan from. Way, way back. Yeah, and, and to shoot our movie, I was studying. I was watching ho- the original Halloween mm. this past weekend to try to get ideas and stuff like that. So, interesting to see. It was such a, a huge time difference between the yeah. two. But, so, we can expect some more Panic Light. Yes. Yes, good. Yes. I like that. Um, all right. So, let me, let, me get to my, let me get to my books. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. And go. So, I have, I have two books to talk about um, in, in, in my lightning round. Uh, one of which, neither of which I really expected to pick up, but but uh, I, I think both have interesting stuff to talk about. Um, so this book, Alice Matheson, which is from a publisher called Delcourt. It's it's a foreign publisher. Um, it's script by Jean-Luc Istin and art by Philippe Vandelay, with colors by Jean Bastide. <laughs> um, so it's called Alice Matheson, and I believe it's dig- digital only. Um, and... It's about what, what I can take from Alice Matheson is that she is sort of a Dexter-like figure. She is a nurse in a hospital, uh, and but she's also sort of like a serial killer. Hmm. From what I can take from this is that she only kills people who are um, like uh, terminally ill, so they're going to die 100 percent anyway. Angel of death kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not bad. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't seem like a, a particularly nice person, but she, that's what she does. Really kind of interesting idea. I think it was a cool idea. That's kind of why I picked it up. But it's also a zombie story. So she's sort of at like the, she kills this woman and then the woman gets back up. Wow. Uh, so, and then it's like, a, you're at kind of the ground level of the zombie outbreak in this hospital. Uh, there is some, there is some clunkiness in the writing. And now, obviously, I think this is probably, originally probably in French and then translated uh. to English. So I don't know how much of that's the fault of the translation. I was well of, of the original text. Uh, I think the art is quite nice. Uh, it, it, it was, it was an enjoyable read. Um, you know, I, I think that the only problem for me is not really a problem with the book, but so much a problem with the fact that I think I'm finally sort of tired of reading zombie stories. Yes. You know, I just, I just think that I'm kind of, kind of done with them. So that was, that's my issue with the book, but it, it has some clunky stuff, but some good, good art and some interesting stuff and some interesting characters, some unlikable characters, some likable characters. Um, and I, I think cool to see that kind of ground level in a hospital of the zombie outbreak. Yeah. Cause I don't think I've really ever, um, seen that, seen that, seen that before now too. I, I'm going to say the other book. I didn't think I was going to talk about for actually my, my full book of the week. Cause I think it has more to talk about, but descender, uh, from Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn, uh, volume one, 10 stars. I'd read the first issue first two issues when it was coming out. And then, and I sort of left it for trade, and I read the trade th- this weekend, and it's got a lot going for it. I mean, the art is the art is gorgeous and incredibly unique. Dustin Wynn is a, such a unique artist, and it's amazing how he can do things like you know, little little Gotham, and then do this. Mm-hmm. And there's not a terrible, huge difference in in the art style, you know, but it just has a. Uh, it just it's such a versatile way of telling stories it takes from a lot of science fiction stories there's a lot of blade runner here there's you know a, a, a lot of 2001 there's some similaris there's some you know a, a lot of science fiction movies a lot of movies about um you know what it means to do ai and what it means 
you know, to do other things like that. Um, so it, it's a cool story, cool art. I like the idea of um, this little kid robot and, and w- what he means for the world and how everything he's possibly tied to these giant, you know, robots that sort of like attacked the world, you know, 10 years ago. Um, uh-huh. You know, his, his like genetic code so to speak, is basically the same as one of those robots, and they're trying to figure out why. It's got a good mystery. It's got great writing. It's got some good emotional resonance as well. Um, you know, I think that it's uh, a little bit of a of a slow burn, but I think it's it's well worth it. And there's a, a robot in it named Driller, who is he's sort of like the a grunt robot and he acts like a grunt kind of person uh and he's just a very interesting very dynamic very colorful character uh a lot of fun it was it was it was a, it was a really good read is this complete in and of itself or are there more of these continuing to come out the, the more continuing this is just volume one so okay. there it's an ongoing uh from jeff lemire and dustin Wynn from image comics so check that out there we go yeah absolutely um all right so bob sure what do you got for us? Well, uh, since I, I guested this week uh, with the Misfits for their book club, and I was doing a whole lot of reading of one thing particularly, my book of this week for us is something we didn't talk about yesterday. So All right. I, I had notes. I'm using them. That's the way I look at this. So it's Sunstone Volume 3 from Stepan Sheyish. There you go. I'm getting very good at saying you that are. name. You are. You've had to say it a lot. Yeah, so I'm going for it. Uh, well, in this latest installment, it's just beautifully crafted, certainly, continues to be sensuously romantic and yet funny. And But here, we've got some new insights and backstory and the journeys taken by our, the stars of this book, Lisa and Allie, that bring them to where we're seeing them now, which is always mm-hmm. a lot of fun. This, this book is really so much about the characters and the characterizations that seeing the building blocks mm-hmm. really, really helps, particularly as... We're introduced to some new characters, and this only enriches this entire world as we see other people moving in. For instance, uh, we meet this girl named Anne, who Lisa describes. Again, this story is told for those who don't know. It's told sort of in flashback because Lisa's a writer, and that's how these two meet. Is she's writing, you know, erotic bondage fiction online, basically, and that's how she and, and Allie hook up. And so now she's telling her own story. Which does it? It does mean you sort of know that there's a happy ending, which is nice because a particular book like this, it's nice to know it'll end in a way mm-hmm. that you've invested time and love <laughs> in these characters, and it should end happily. So, but here we get this. Anne is described by Lisa as someone who will become one of the few most important people in my life. Mm. Okay, tell me some more. So, she's a tattoo artist who's working up a design for. They have a mutual friend named Cassie, who's actually uh, sister to one of the other characters. And Anne is very curious about Lisa and Allie's uh, interesting hobby. Shall I, let me put it that way. And she doesn't really understand. She's looked at pictures online, and it's just you see her reacting and making faces. Ugh! Why would people do that? What the f is that? And so on and so <laughs> forth. But as as she they discuss it and discuss the idea of the trust that's needed to be in a a, a B and D relationship, the communication that's possible, it makes a lovely point about all relationships needing those same mm-hmm. things. And this comes really into play when you, you meet Lisa's brother, whose own marriage is falling apart because he and his wife don't read each other's signals. He doesn't hear what she's saying. And there's, it's just a lovely parallel. Now, in the midst of all this, there's still all the Lisa Alley stuff going on. They're both crushing on each other. They don't want to admit <laughs> that they're falling in love, but they are. 
And it's brilliant to see because the facial expressions Mr. Shea uses are, if they're not the best in comics, they're awfully darn close. <laughs> they are charming and subtle and big when they need to be and all just so markedly human in a way that great paintings are. And that's what this book really is, a series of wonderful paintings. And as Allie tries to figure out all this, she's got this big giant house she's living in and decides it's just too empty whenever Lisa goes home. So in the midst of this, she's deciding, am I going to ruin everything by asking her to move in? It's heavy stuff, but it's funny and charming. And for all of it, again, it's a romantic comedy that is romantic and funny. It is certainly sexy and sensuous. Above all, it is sweet. And who would think that a book where you've got people running around in all sorts of really crazy outfits is nothing but sweet. In one of the other volumes we were talking about yesterday, uh, Lisa makes a point that th- this whole community, they're really sexual nerds <laughs> and that they're role-playing. Mm-hmm. And it's about costumes and outfits and all this sort of, we're doing something else that takes us beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's just great. And it turns out these characters are kind of nerds themselves as they make comic book jokes and they're gamers and the rest Mm -hmm. of it. And we had a lot of comments last night as people were discussing the book and how much we all love it. And everyone starting out was sort of feeling, do I really want to walk up to the counter with this book that has this on the cover? Mm -hmm. And uh, I I became interested when someone on our forums talked about Death Vigil. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I checked it. I was one of those light weeks, like this one's mm-hmm. going to be. And I found one copy of issue six on a shelf somewhere. They're pretty hard to come by. There's a trade coming, which we should all yeah, support. Yeah, finally. I'm definitely going definitely yeah. to buy it. Yeah. And it was, I want to see more of his work. And someone mentioned Sunstone and what it was about. And I went, okay, look, I, I trust that he, he does characters well. Then this could be not what I think it is. I got to the store. It was wrapped in plastic. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't open it up in the store mm-hmm. without looking even pervier. Yeah, yeah. So I walked to the counter. It was Fourth World, mm-hmm. and, and Glenn and his wife were at the counter, Christine, and they're at the counter, and they said, it, it, it's not what you think. It is a really great book. You're going to love it, because they know what I buy. Mm-hmm. With it. They're very good at knowing yeah. you know, their customers. You're going to love this. And I did. And every, we had at least four or five people say, you know, that they were a little iffy about buying mm-hmm. it. So anyone who thinks that because we're talking about a – I should say it this way. It is more a B and D relationship than a B D S and M. It's okay. it's a very complex initialism. Yeah, it's bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadism and masochism. Mm-hmm. It's the first four and not the last two. Mm-hmm. This is not about inflicting pain and right. damage and the rest of it. And if people want to do that, and that's yeah. consensual, I don't care either. Yeah, yeah. This book is not about that. You can take that out of your head. You don't have to worry about that showing up here. It is, it is gentle and sweet and romantic. So Sunstone Volume 3, the fourth one is due in December. Mm-hmm. Though some of it's already coming out digitally for free on his DeviantArt page. Yeah. Um, what I will say is that I think that stuff like this, and I haven't read it yet, but I think stuff like this is important because um, it's very easy, like you said, to pick one thing and disqualify everything because of that one yes. thing which you perceive as being one thing. and. Uh, and, and you know the ability it's like anything else any other story right you don't read a story about people who are in the mob and go like this is saying this is i i have to be in the mob yes, in order to yeah. want to read this right i mean not, i'm not i'm not i don't want it to seem like i'm relating this behavior to some sort of criminal oh, behavior absolutely. or deviant behavior because yes. it's not um it's not at all but you know i think that people who are looking up from the outside ha- have that feeling right and uh, i think that 
it's great to tell stories and that have layers that people in worlds that people perceive to not have layers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it's a great thing. Right. Here are characters with tons of agency mm-hmm. yeah. who are in control of what's going on. And as control as a, as a subtext, it's about control, trust, mm-hmm. faith in, in friends, communication. Those are all major things we all need to know yeah. in any kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And to have it set in this, in this world in a way that may bring some people into thinking differently about it, it's just a masterstroke. Yeah, absolutely. I, and the interesting thing, uh, this, is, this is on the games front, but um, there's this game creator. He's like a very like fringe like indie game creator. He's also a professor. His name is Robert Yang, and he makes these very like you know challenging, interesting, challenging in a thematic way things. So he <laughs> and ones that are just meant to like make people think. So he has this one. This like. This one called the Dick Pick Simulator, where literally you're controlling a person and yeah. doing this thing. Um, it's really it's really funny. And uh, Karen and I had like a night where we were just like laughing our asses off doing it. Um, one called Stick Shift, where you're literally you're like you literally have to control a car, like you actually have to control it, but it's got like a very sexual uh, overtone, nice. like you're getting the car off for people to get yes. into certain gear and do it right. But he had this one called Hurt Me Plenty, which is a BDSM simulator. Mm-hmm. But the, but the thing about it is that there's like a you have to spank, and they're and they're all um, mostly focused on you know non um, heterosexual relationships or non heterosexual behaviors, um, and you have to you know you have to spank the, the this your partner, but there's like a there's a pain threshold, and there's been where they tell you not to do it anymore, and if you keep doing it past the point where they tell you to do it anymore, the the game literally locks you out for a week. So it's trying to teach you about. It is trying to. Te- it's 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 funny. It's an interesting like, like ex- social experiment, but it's also trying to teach people about those boundaries and what those things mm-hmm. mean. And what and uh, and I think that's it's it's an interesting thing. And I, I, you know, it's one of those reasons why you know a lot of people got as many people got annoyed by the the Caitlyn Jenner thing as were kind of into it. And, and you know, personally, I don't care about. Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner, yes. they're either one of them, yeah. but I think it's an it's they're important. It's an important thing because it, it's a it represents and has a public face on a community that doesn't have a very public face. Yes. And so I think that something this is is very important, and very interesting, and plus it sounds like it's a really good book on top of that. So that's that's an awesome awesome yeah. thing. Yeah, it's not just some political diatribe. It's mm-hmm. a gorgeous book to look at, and it's hysterically funny and romantic and sweet to read. Absolutely, so, complete win. Absolutely awesome. Um. Can I borrow the first t- couple volumes from Sure. You? Cool. I do want to read that. Um, so uh, I got to pick up pull the other book that I was reading. Here it is. Um, so I ended up getting, I talked about not buying one shots last week, but I ended up buying Fury number one ah. um, because uh, Joey Bertino reviewed it for, mm-hmm. for the website and for TalkingComicBooks.com and he had just great things to say about it, very interesting to say about it. So it's written by David F. Walker. Who did it, Shaft. It did so Shaft. Brilliantly. Yes. Um, and he's also doing Cyborg. Uh, right now for DC, Lee Ferguson on art, Jason Keith uh, on colors, and Clayton Cowles is the letterer for it. So Fury deals with um, both what I mentioned, kind of original Nick Fury and Nick Fury Jr., who is in in the current mm-hmm. Marvel continuity. Um, and it sees it's a story that focuses on on I'll, I'll call them Nick Fury and Junior, <laughs> so that we can keep them straight. Because I also refer to them in in the book. So Nick Fury in 1965, um, you know, dealing with um, the uh, doing with, dealing with like riots, 
um, and, and in 2015, Nick Fury Jr. dealing with situation in America that we're dealing with right now, which is sort of you know the the police violence mm-hmm. situation, um, and it starts out mirroring the two um, and the two situations, and then goes and then eventually they meet. Nick Jr. goes back and gets back in time and into into wow. 1965 and they come face to face and they're dealing with each other and um it's a it's a lusciously beautifully drawn book um by ferguson um and it's also incredibly interesting in its um in its approach to cultural situations from both perspectives um and and i don't mean by the people who hate and the people who who don't hate i mean by people who are the subject of the hate and the people who see that and are moved to do something about it. Cause Nick Fury is, is not obviously the object of this kind of racism, but he has strong, strong feelings about what's going on. And it's a really interesting, um, situation. So, um, I want to get to one line. Did you read it, Bob, by the way? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, I figured you would have. That's why I, I was going to, and then didn't for whatever reason. Didn't pick it up. <laughs> um, I may now. It's it's very very good. Um, so uh, I'm trying to find the one line of camera. Okay, here we go. So um, they're talking about the these the the, the riots that are happening in, in 1965. Um, and Nick Fury says, this riot's been going on for four freaking days now. And Nick Fury Jr. says, because he's from the future, it will go on for three days more. 34 people will die. Everything that is happening is what happened. This is normal. It's how it's supposed to be. And Nick Fury says, this is this is how it's supposed to be? What the blank do you mean by that? This is America. Things like this don't happen yeah. here. We don't turn on our own citizens this way. Um, and Nick Fury Jr. says, you know that's not true. Just like I know that if I, if Hatemonger was out there with his powers, things would be much worse. So we go back in the comic book yeah. aspect of it again. Because Hatemonger is the, the villain in, in, in the story. He you know, goes the- way back to the, it's Fantastic Four 21, mm-hmm. where you first saw Nick Fury in not World War II garb. Okay. Where he showed up, he was the, with the CIA at that point, trying to get Reed to help him with the Hatemonger. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what a great throwback by David Walker. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and then there's these lines uh, that, that Nick Fury Jr. has after he's met him because he, he only knows Nick, he only knew Nick Fury as the older, like very like secretive, very mm-hmm. kind of burdened man. And he says, um, between you and me, between father and son, I know how difficult this job can be. I really do. I know that people change over time. I understand that. But how did you change so much? How many secret wars did it take? How many times did you have to cheat death? I just assume the person you are now is the person you've always been. I figured you'd always been an unlikable ass, but the person you <laughs> were 50 years ago, I kind of liked him. Never thought I would, I, I would, but then again, I never thought uh, I get to meet the man you were. Here's the man you were and the world that changes us. So uh, it says some very interesting things. And um, I was really struck by that. That that one, the first line yeah. I read fr- from Nick himself and the how it, how it's supposed to be s- sort of line and I mentioned a few weeks ago about the issue of Batman that also kind of dealt w- 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 with this this issue and um, I I think like that and like this I think it's refreshing to see um, these like view viewpoints like this being put into these sort of major mainstream things just like i said before the batman as talking points people can have something to sort of talk about it as as it goes along um and i think this is important too because this does not paint you know um 
you know, Nick Fury is an authority figure. Nick Fury is, is not uh, a, the guy on the street, so it doesn't paint authority figures as demons, right? It, it, it paints them as wanting to do the right thing, but there are others who don't want to do the right, right. thing. Uh, and I just, you know, it, I had I only picked it up because I'd heard that it was an interesting read in, in sort of this way, and it definitely did not disappoint. It was it was a kind of fascinating thing to read and and, and to take in. Um, That's going on my list. It, I gotta it, pick that up. It was very, very good. And seeing these two characters together was very interesting. And again, like I said, the art it w- it was gorgeous. Um, really great, really great one shot. Well, you know, Nick Fury, old Nick Fury, mm-hmm. was a child of the city slums. He was, you know, a kid who grew up in poverty. Mm-hmm. In his own Howling Commandos during the war, he had Gabe Jones, African American. Mm-hmm. He had the United Nations mm-hmm. basically in his group. So he's someone who would grow up knowing that things could be better mm-hmm. and that we could all get along and do some good stuff as as Americans, not as hyphenated Americans. So to have have him be told by his own son that things are really terrible yeah. would really hurt, would yeah. really resonate with, well, why did we fight the Nazis if we're going to end up yeah. in this mess anyway? And, and I think that ending bit I read too is also... Um, <clears throat> Uh, a very universal sort of statement about the way that time and having to deal with constant strife and and constant and constantly having your sort of will be beaten down can can change you a, a, as a person and i think that um it's an interesting kind of take on you know what 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 we come into when we meet up we meet someone and they have a certain disposition a certain way of being and we just assume that they're an asshole or, or a horrible person, yeah. but maybe there's a there's more going on there than what we're really seeing on the surface. Well, we add that as a as a, a bookend to the Agent Carter book last mm-hmm. week, where it's how many times you have to prove ourselves. Yeah, yeah, the two great one. Maybe these Shield one shots are the <laughs> outlier of everything else. Some very some, I, from, I mean, I haven't read the ones you you very much yeah. like those ones, and this one, Fury number one was was really great. I definitely highly recommend it. Um, for anybody who's interested in those stories or yep. those themes that, that we that we just talked about. Definitely picking that one up. Yeah. Another theme-heavy book, Bob, is, oh, yes. is, is our shared book of the week. Well, you know, I went out on a limb. <laughs> so my team-up, it, it's the Scooby-Doo team-up, for those of us since we're all teaming up to review this book. It's Scooby-Doo team-up number 12, which it, they come out digitally sort of first, but not always first, as we yeah, discovered. Yeah, I'll tell you that we both have stories about this book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's by Sholly Fish with art by Dario Brizuela. And in this one, the Mystery Inc. kids get a message asking them to a meeting in Gotham City, which, as Velma points out, are always on rooftops, usually near gargoyles. <laughs> And our friend Daphne both, and, and rightfully so, assumed that it's got to be from Batman, but it's actually from Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, who, shall we say, liberated the opal of Osiris from its rightful <laughs> owners. And that seems to have attracted the attention of a very vengeful ghost who wants it back. <laughs> now, there's some clues to the mystery scattered around, and not really any, any cheats, uh, surprise guest or two, and it all adds up to a, you know, it's a, a really nice entertaining funhouse kind of ride the artwork is it, it manages to be both respectful to the Hanna barbera models and and sort of somewhere in between regular comic art but maybe sort of ramona Fraden super friends style of art on the uh superhero characters uh Charlie fisher's stories to me kept everyone in character you know, and sort of deanie tim territory for for the others 
I I've I picked up two of these so far. Actually, I should let you you read this too, uh, and <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll finish my conclusion. So, what did you think of Scooby Doo Team Up Number Twelve, Bobby? You know, I find books like this very difficult to talk about because it's fine, it's fun. You know, the 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 adventure was was mm-hmm. was entertaining, and and it's very has that kind of very warm nostalgic feeling for anyone who grew up watching Scooby-Doo or watching the Batman animated series. There's a, there's a lot there I think, I think to enjoy. I mean, for me, the issue is that there's, there's obviously, it's like the opposite of Tokyo ghost, which we talked about last week. There's not any big themes to talk about. There's not really any missteps to talk about. You know, I I think that it's a fun light story that is a great sort of, um, for me feels more like, kid than all ages book but i think something that's it, it, it's definitely high quality writing uh the art is you know like you said it's got a very very sort of classic sort of feel to it but it's still it's still got dynamism it's not flat it, it's got it's got some good mm-hmm. stuff going on so there's the panel composition is, is very nice as well um but overall you know it's not something that i'll probably remember reading Okay. In a week, you know that that, but that's just the way I way I am about books like this. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the way it is. For yeah, me. I've read a couple of these so far. There was a Wonder Woman team up that was very very good. There's no reason to buy them in sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, these, there's no continuity in the, in the Scooby Doo universe, at least not that I've seen so far. At least in the team up book, there might be in the regular book. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read that one. But it's a lovely palate cleanser when there's so much. Sturm and Drang and everything else mm-hmm. sometimes. So I love being able to drift into things like this, or even when we were reading Lumberjanes or some of those things. I may never stick with them a long time, but it's fun to have something a little different, which mm-hmm. is why things like Squirrel Girl appeal to me. It's like, all right, this is just goofy fun. Yeah. And it just it lightens up a little bit of everything. Now, the real problem with getting this book for many people, <laughs> um, you want to tell the digital version or should I tell the physical version first? I'll tell my version okay. first. Now, I my my plan always was to buy digitally. Put it. We have a shared talking comics um, account. Uh, I didn't know the time it was just going to be Bob and I, mm-hmm. um, I, and I put it in there so people wanted to read it. They didn't, you know we we could all read it. Uh, to be fair and to to be fully honest, I didn't decide to sit down to read it or decide to find it until last night, at like okay. ten thirty at night, um, <laughs> which is why I do a lot of my comic book yeah. reading. But I was like, okay, so I, I book on my iPad. And I go into the new releases on Comixology. I'm looking for Scooby Doo team up number twelve, and there is a number twelve. I can't find any. I can't. Find, it's not even on the you know the regular new release like mm. section of Comixology under DC. So I'm like, okay. So I search Scooby Doo, and the Scooby Doo team up thing comes up, but it's like number twenty three or something like that. So I was like, okay. Um, I looked up, and it was it was the cover of the physical book was the cover of the digital copy. So I was like, okay, this must be like it must be a digital first book. Um, it's probably the first two of these, or 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 whatever, or two th- two or three of these stories. So I was like, okay, um, let me. I'll buy this one, and then I'll buy the other one that makes it up. Nope, nope. There was no other one. It, they they had the first <laughs> half of the story and not the second half of the story. Um, so I I didn't even get to read the entire story because by the time I did it, it was just I didn't have any time to go to a comic book no. store to, to look for it. Um, so I only got to read the, the first half of the story. I thought it was weird because I was like, I thought the point is the digital first. Yeah. 
Um, but there was nothing after the one. I kept looking, and I, I, I maybe I missed it, but if I missed it, that's the fault of the, the way they organized the books. Because I was in the Scooby Doo team up section, and there was nothing after the one no, I was that's, reading. That's something goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to read the second half, but it was like a weird, a weird adventure of trying to figure it out. But it turns out, if I went to the comic book store anyway, it you, wouldn't have been there. You were not finding one. Yeah. Here's something really bizarre. This is again, it's Scooby Doo team up. Right. Now, granted, you know, Harley's on the cover and Poison Ivy and, you know, Shaggy and Scooby. Mm-hmm. A week or so ago, I, I had the dates wrong where I thought this was coming out. And there's a comic store near where I work or across the street. My boss happened to be walking over to the deli. And I said, hey, if you're going by the comic store, can you pick me up? The Scooby-Doo thing. Sure. Uh, it's not out yet. And, but, you know, it'll be next week. And tell them to come in and pick it up. Great. So they actually said, come in Tuesday near the end of the day. It won't matter. We'll be closing and you can have the book. And, you know, just before I was going to come on mm-hmm. the air. And I was going to show off this is what we're talking about next week. Walk in the store. There's a whole pile of them on the counter 10, 12 books. And, oh, I can't sell them to you. The street days. Yeah, I get it. I know all about it. I, but I was, you know, my boss was speaking to your boss and it was about you were going to close for the day anyway. And I was going to go off so I can talk about it on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I'll, you know, the implied bonus is I would talk about your story while we're, while we're at it. Mm-hmm. You know, by the way, so on and so uh, Oh, you, you can't have you can't, you can't have that on Tuesday. Okay, fine. So I come back the next day and all the new books, it's a Wednesday, it's street date. All the new books are up and there's a big hole in the wall in the alphabet where this would be. Did you get Scooby-Doo team up number 12? <clears throat> and he starts hemming and hawing, looking around, and uh, I don't, I don't think so. So I'm looking around the store. I'm walking around. I buy something here, I guess. And there they are behind the counter. The whole pile of them that was there yesterday are now behind the counter. Well, they're right there. Oh, but I can't sell those. Why can't you sell those? Well, I, I got to call my boss. So he goes in the back room, no less. It's like it's like some spy novel. I'm going to go in the back room, make a secret phone call. Well, you know, there's, there's a big demand on these, and so he had to buy these for more than cover price. No, you didn't. They were on the counter yesterday when you got them from Diamond out of the box. But now, okay. Yeah, they're selling them for like $20 online. I'm thinking, I said, you're full of biscuits. Or, <laughs> I, I just don't even care. You're so harsh, Bob. You're I'm harsh. Of, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm mad about my Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you're full I, of biscuits. <laughs> So he says, well, I, I, he says I can sell you one for five bucks. It's like, fine. All right. I'm not happy, but here's your five bucks because I, I should at least have one. And so I called my regular local store. That's Long Island Comics. said, hey, Frank, you know, do you have an extra copy of Scooby-Doo 12 or one or two? Because I'd like to get them for the guys I work with. I it, I only get three to start with. I've had nothing but phone calls today. It was a lady had left a message before it even opened that she wanted 10 copies. It's not like she had never bought a comic in her life. But all of a sudden, she wants 10 copies of Scooby-Doo Team. But what's going on around here? I went, I don't know. The guy across the street from me just didn't have any. He squirreled them all away. He went, you know, we, we've done some calling around, and no one seems to have any of these books. They, they called people in Nassau County and, and all over the place. I called Androids and... Sable. He had, he had a few. Put them aside for his regular customers. He got a call from the same old lady who wanted 10 copies of Scooby-Doo. It's a, it's a raft of things. It got taken down off Midtown Comics website. Really? It wasn't on the website. As of before I came to record, 
There were 208 copies of Scooby-Doo Team-Up number 12 on eBay. By the time you're to the second page, lowest to highest, they're at $10. The highest copy on there is $100. They're averaging $20 to $25 a piece. I get it. They print 3,000 copies of Scooby-Doo Team-Up, and they sell 80,000 copies of Harley. (laughs) But please, it's Scooby-Doo Team-Up. I didn't know. I was going to pick a book that would end up generating... You know, the the quickest reselling book for hoarders of the year. So there you go. I, I apologize to anyone who, because I mentioned this book, went out to go buy it and then couldn't find it or had a fight as I did to, to get any copy at all, or who then couldn't buy it digitally because you only get half the story. That was a weird thing. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of our listeners, uh, Infinity Watcher, said, man, Bob Breyer sure picked a hard book to find this week. <laughs> this now is like $20 on eBay. <laughs> That's stunning. Uh, this is right up there with sort of, you know, Death of Superman or whatever. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, no, next week it'll be back to $3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we had one other person writing about Nick Dallas 79. I mean, it was a very hard book to find. We're recording a day early. So yeah. one response to this, uh, Scooby-Doo team-up fell flat for me. It was nice to see all the Gotham girls, though. I've read Scooby-Doo team-ups before that made me laugh. Not this one. Oh. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> That's our... Uh, Epic fail. Epic fail. But, you know, I tried. <laughs> the other book was going to stink anyway. I don't remember what it was. It was, I wrote it down here somewhere. Did I? Yes, I did. It was called Power Cubed, number one from Dark Horse. Gotcha. Um, so for next week, uh, we're going to do something a little different, something we've never really done before. Um, we're actually going to do a trade paperback. So uh, The Empty from Image, it's volume one. It's a James Robinson uh, graphic novel. Um, it's out this coming comic book, uh, comic book Wednesday, obviously. Um, actually, it might be out Tuesday because sometimes they do that with the graphic novels, mm-hmm. but uh, Wednesday most likely. Um, it's a first, you know, run image book, so it's nine ninety nine. Um, cheaper, I'm sure, if you get it on an yes. online service um, of, of your choice. Uh, you know, I was I was a little bit nervous about doing it because it's the first time we've done like a full thing, but with Marvel books being four ninety nine and DC books being three, I mean, really it's $5 more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a bit cool. It might be, it's interesting for us to do like a whole thing, like a whole, a whole arc. I don't think we've ever really done that before for mm-hmm. this thing. So that'll be an interesting thing for us to yeah. do. Look, until Marvel relaunches, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of number ones. Well, that's right the thing now. too, right? It's the fifth Wednesday of the month yes. or whatever. So there was literally, there was one number one that Bob and I both looked at and we're not very interested in no. reading at all. Um, not that it couldn't be good, but you know, it just didn't look like a lot of potential and everything else was mostly not. I mean, it, it, there might've been other ones, but that was really the only number one we really saw yeah. that seemed like there was something we could jump in on. So uh, we're going with the trade paperback for, damn, uh, uh, for next week. The uh, Empty. The Empty by Jimmy Robinson. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's what we're gonna do for our TCBOTW this week. Uh, man, next week is New York Comic Con. Yeah, I haven't even gotten my schedule together as to who's where and when and how and yeah. what I'm gonna try to go see. You're uh, only doing Thursday, only doing Thursday. Uh, Hugh sent me a link today. There's some gonna be some major Michael Uslan, the producer of the like every Batman movie that's ever uh-huh. made. Uh, so there's going to be a major Batman announcement of the Saturday panel. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's from the movie side. Yeah. Okay. That's better than it would be the comic side. And we'd be hearing Snyder and Capullo leaving or yeah. something. <laughs> uh, Batman will be appearing on Gotham. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
the people I who knows what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be a trailer, maybe it'll be something else. We don't know, but major Batman announcement coming at, at New York Comic Con. So we'll see what that's going to be. Um yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting time like you said Bob, it's been a, a couple really light weeks in, in a row, you know, not even like I said, I think I said it last week, there weren't even books that I was like, oh, I, I've been getting this but not sure about it. There was just like four or five books that I that I was even like, I'm going to get, and this week was even, this past week <laughs> was even lighter. I was like, I had, I read those two other books because there was like nothing that, that came out that I was, that I was yeah. amped to read. This week, I am buying Wonder Woman 77 special. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. There's a, a Doctor Strange preview that's a free giveaway. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to talk about free preview giveaways in our lightning yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. then that then maybe there's that. Yeah, it's I'm I'm gonna go buy that Fury. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Justice League 45 comes out this week, which okay. I'm excited about. The Dark Dark Side War continues. That that's been a, a some hel- DC annuals too. I think. Yeah, a few yep. anim- a few annuals are coming out. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's some there's some stuff coming out, but it's just like you said, it's it's this weird period because um and. and Secret Wars has gone on too long now with too many delays on the main series. I, I, I've i lost kind of the thread, you know, of what the main thrust of the series are. And a lot of the times have been very good. I've enjoyed the ones I've kept reading have been very good and I've enjoyed them. And I think they've been really good stories. But the point now where I, I we've hit the point of sort of where do where do we go, you know, from mm-hmm. here? Like what, what what's we're at a weird inflection point because I, the 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 sort of interest I had and where it was all going as much as I wasn't super excited about it when it, before it started, you know, what time I got to issue four, I think there's been four issues of it. I was, this, I was into it. I was like, this is cool. I like some of the stuff that's going on here, but now like, I don't even really remember what was going on. And because that book hasn't been coming out, it's made my interest in some of the other tie-ins kind of wax and wane yeah. away. And, and I just, I don't feel like there's vital stuff to be reading because the, the main spine of it isn't, isn't there. So it's tough to to know what to read. It makes me feel like, except for a few things, like I'm just really going to wait until the relaunch to really kind of dive back in and start buying, you know, sort of like weekly, monthly Marvel books. I think for a lot of people, they were assuming this is all a jumping on point. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's created a jumping off point (laughs) in the same sort of way you're talking about where my interest level was nil to begin with. Mm And it's now even affecting books that are going to get relaunched. It's like, do I really care? Right. I pre-order them. I'm going to read them and try to enjoy characters I've always enjoyed mm-hmm. and hope there isn't too much of a change. Yeah. I, I wonder, is the delay there changing mm-hmm. based on what people are saying about what's gone on? Or have they had to adapt backwards from some other point to mm-hmm. what, what's going on? All I know is it shouldn't, as always... You should have everything finished before you solicit the thing. Yeah. Uh, in this last week, uh, the Game and Jage Williams Sandman finale came out. Yeah. I understand. He's Neil Gaiman. Yeah. I understand the artwork being as crazy mm-hmm. as it is. You shouldn't have set it out there for people to buy without it being finished. It's the same way with this. Where we delays between issues that stretch. We had we had two issues out. What week one, week two. Yeah. Then like week five. Yeah. And then two months later. Yeah. Yeah. And a complicated book with so many moving parts in other series where the developments in those books had to coincide with developments in the main book that are now, okay, we've finished Captain Marvel. We've finished uh, Renew Your Vows. We've finished a number of these books now. Yeah. 
are those characters dead? Yeah. What, do they live? Is this world happening? What happened on, back on Earth? Because Ms. Marvel 18, it, the giant thing flying over Manhattan, yeah. all these other books are over with. And now we have a week like this where there's nothing coming out. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, 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 we have the situation now where the universe will be relaunched before Secret Wars is over. Forever Evil all over again. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing that, that's going on. And, you know, I, I think. You know, we we always there, there's you know this this push and pull because we're going through this thing with the weekly monthly books where you know in two years it's not going to matter because it'll all be in the collection people will read it and it's not it's just going to be the story for itself and I think for certain runs you can definitely say that like you know the Hawkeye thing I think it's such a self contained beast that yeah it sucked that it didn't come out a bunch but when you read it together it's it's yes. fine stuff like Secret Wars stuff like the Secret Wars tie-ins these aren't evergreen books right these these no. aren't Sure, people will buy the trade years down the line because they want to know about that big Marvel event that 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 set the table for maybe the books they're reading now or whatever it might be. You know, just like I went back and read Civil War and stuff like that because it was people were always talking about it and I wanted to see what what the deal was. Um, but it's not going to be even like something Neil Gaiman Sandman thing. That's something that yeah it took forever to come out and that sucks. But you can read it in a six. Go by the trade. hard or go by the hard cover. Uh, they'll yeah, come out. Sure, yeah, and it'll be beautiful and amazing and you'll just be happy that it exists, you know, because it's yeah. going to be this beautiful, like, you know, piece of art that, that, that wouldn't have, you didn't never believe could have existed again. Cause it's been so long since, you know, Neil Gaiman tackled Sandman. Um, so that's something else. But when you do with stuff like this, it's like, you're, you're dealing with a different set of stakes for the people who are in like the monthly book purchasing than you are for people who want to read the trade. And that you're interested in an entire output from a company is sort of waxing and waning depending on this one set of books that's coming out, yep. which is very tough. It, it, it puts all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, comics are very much the opposite most of the time. They're very much like, we have all of these books, you know, and if you want to read this, you can read that. You want to read this, you can read that, you can read that. But right now it's all funneled down into this one sort of triangle. And I think it's, it's rough. You already had that phenomenon to start with where people like me, Stephanie felt the same way. I'm, vented out mm -hmm. not really interested but you're promising me something streamlined and better and interesting mm -hmm. at the end of this okay i'll hold my nose mm -hmm. and i'll buy some books that i like yeah and wait to see what you're going to do with those characters and hopefully not ruin them now you're going to tie everything together and then not have them come out and mm -hmm. push it off and push it off and push it off until i was bored before now i'm angry mm-hmm you put off my enjoyment of books I was enjoying buying extra. Yeah. And now I don't believe your promises. I'm, my hackles are up and it's all even <laughs> worse. Right. And I'm not even your major consumer anymore. I'm mm -hmm. not buying as many books as I bought in the 80s and even into mm -hmm. the 90s. Forget before that. For those people who are just jumping in, who love the movies, there's nothing to buy. Mm -hmm. For those people who were loving what you were doing Right now, there's not as much to buy, and where are we going from here? Yeah. They, they better really deliver after all this yeah. hubbub. Absolutely. I mean, I, there's some books coming out that I'm very excited for. The Mark Wade Avenger stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited yeah. for. The Jason Aaron Doctor the Strange, Strange book, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited for Thor to come back. You know, with Jason Aaron still at the helm yeah. on that one. Yeah, the Amy Reader Moon Girl thing yeah. looks really cute. Very yeah. cool stuff. You know, that, that, that we got a lot of cool stuff that sort of. 
uh, the Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther yeah. book that we just talked about last week. Oh, I'm very excited about this stuff. But it fe- right now, even if it's only a month away, it feels very, very yes, like far years away. away yes. Right, it feels so far away, and we're right in like the middle of the storm right now, and, and we can't see past it right now and, and for us. So that's what's tough for me. You know, it's it's not even being, it's it's such it's a, it's a different level of burnout. It's not burnt out on the actual books. It's burnt out on the way the books are being. Yes, the business end the of business things. end of it, which is a shame. You know, you hope that stuff can be mostly invisible when, when you're dealing with stuff like this. And right now, it, it, it's not. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but it's very cool. The uh, DC uncanceled Omega Man. I don't yes. know if we talked about that last week or not, but I don't think so. No, yeah, but that was good. That was one of the eight books that were canceled, and it got uncanceled instantly. Yeah, and they said too. Jim Lee said, "Look, we, we can admit when we're wrong. Like there was a there was a, a lot of pushback when we when we cancel it." And they see said not just from people like on social media, but people inside the company you know and creators it was he's like it's a book that editorial loved it's a book that creators loved and we could admit when we're wrong we, we brought it back we promised them 12 issues they're working towards 12 issues we're going to give them okay. those 12 issues so it's pretty nice yeah they'll let the movement finish the same way so good yeah. for them there are a couple of times when they've mm-hmm. had a chance to do the right thing they have yeah they're doing a lot of good things over there lately they I are have to, i have to say they are they're doing some good things so things are moving in the right direction we'll hopefully we'll see I can't. I, I want to see what happened in this post kind of Marvel world. I want to be excited again about picking up Marvel books. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to see what the the Bendis Iron Man is. I want you know all this kind of stuff. So I'm excited to check out all that stuff. I heard an interesting rumor about that one. Really, what? That rumor. Mm-hmm. You know, I I hate to dwell in rumor, but it's <laughs> it's you know it comes from decent sources mm-hmm. more than more than one uh, at at the retail level that their uh, Marvel is pushing retailers. Buy some extras. Do you know? We'll, we'll give you. Might even give you some returns. We'll mm-hmm. do some things because they're apparently a lot. They overprinted. Oh, really? They anticipated some crazy first issue number, and mm-hmm. it, the, pre, the reorders aren't there yet. Well, the reason is that book never sold particularly well. No, even with the movies mm-hmm. coming out, and Bendis is definitely a very big creator, but he's not going to take that character to four hundred thousand books. No. Maybe two. Yeah, that's what the uh, yeah. Maybe a quarter million. Yeah, there's apparently a lot of them. Yeah, even for Iron Man, quarter million is a lot. Yeah, so hopefully that that does happen because it's nice if that character could be as big in the books yeah, as he is in the movies. It was always a great character. Yeah. It was always it was B. He was a B level character yeah. he had, who had great arcs here and there. Mm-hmm. But it was never never Spidey, never X Men, never actually even X Men were B until mm-hmm. Claremont and Byrne. Not the not Spider Man. Right, exactly. Someone that underneath. So uh, maybe it'll be in a loot crate. Maybe it will. Maybe they'll just start throwing <laughs> Iron Man ones around. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. All right. We haven't seen any sales figures in a long time, have we? No, actually, we have not. And I haven't even seen like. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but uh, I haven't. I haven't no, I haven't seen them. Yeah, I don't remember. Not the full one, anyway. Yeah, I think we. You know, I think the thing was, I think we missed last month because it was right around the time we did the 200th episode. Yeah, that's probably. So I think that's probably we just missed one month, and it feels like a long time because it it hasn't been a while. We should begin the September numbers any day now. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about those probably next week, and possibly Shield does premiere on Tuesday. So Ah. by the time you hear this, it'll have already premiered. It was great. Yeah, I'm uh, hopefully hopefully it was great. (laughs) Um, I'll definitely be watching that, and then I think. Next week um, is the the Flash and Arrow stuff, so I'm sure um, we'll be talking a little bit about Shield next week, and 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 then the week after, hopefully, breaking down the, the Flash and the Arrow for for their premieres. And that big Batman news from the con. Yes, absolutely. Except you can't get into that panel. I'm no, sure. no, no, but we'll hear about the moment it happens. So I'm not really worried we'll about that. We'll sneak Hugh in. Yeah, I think so. Hugh's going to try to go. Our, our newsman Hugh Perry yeah. is going to try to go, but we'll see if he can get into that one. Um, 
All right, I think that's going to do it for the Talking Comics wow. podcast for this week. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Comics, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all our articles, reviews, columns, and of course our bevy of, of podcasts, Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa, Nick Scalia, and Chris Oliphant. Talking Games, Steve Say, Jackie Turner, Bobby North, and Justin Townsend, uh, talking Valiant with Adam Shaw, um, The Misfits, Mara Wood, Melissa Megan, and Stephanie Cook, and special guest Bob Ryer. Yes. Honorary Misfit. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Mara and Maria and I. Yes. Uh, talking Shoujo with yes. Mara Wood and Maria Norris. Um, they're episode three right now. I listened to episode two. It was cool. They gave some recommendations for manga. That was nice. Episode three was this was a watch party for this thing called Madoka. Madoka. Okay. Did you watch any? No. I started listening to it. Just to, I was like, I'll listen to it. You know, I try to like you know, let's make sure everything's cool and everything sounds good and technical perspective. And then I also enjoyed listening to Mara Maria talk about what they love. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they know so much ab- about that stuff, and it's, it's so great to have that stuff covered. So if you're a fan of you know manga or anime or want to get into it. It's a it's a great show to to listen to. I gotta tell you, I was a little intimidated last night. I'm on the air with two doctors. I know at it's, this, but it's very close for the for the two young ladies. We're getting and, out of, yeah. we we have a staff now that we're getting out of our league, Bob. We're, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to retire. Yeah, to hand it off to these youngins. Yeah. We're, we're 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 fake smart. They're they're the real smart. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so it's it's a little intimidating, but uh, yeah, no, they're awesome and very very happy for them. And that show was great. So definitely yeah. check it out. Um, leave comments review the podcast on iTunes it, it, it really really helps with visibility um, it's really awesome to hear what you folks think of us as well um, and always if you have suggestions um, you know for, for any books you want us to read for a book of the week mm-hmm. if you have questions please send them in to podcast.combooks.com I would love to do a more of a listener questions segment every week we just need uh, questions yeah. for for that so please send them and i know it's our fault because we haven't been really focusing on that lately but i, I want about the call people to write in and yeah give us some get questions. for next week let's get some yeah good let's questions, get, get some questions together um podcast at tongcombooks.com try to keep it you know if you want to write a long email that's awesome we will always read them but try to keep your questions sort of separated and, and you know something i can read in, in two or three sentences because yeah. it's tough when it's a lot of you know a lot a lot of writing around a question to get to a question but please write in with those um, support the Patreon, check out our shop, um, and uh, read some good comics and, and let us know what you thought of them. Even if, we're not, even if they're not part of our, our book of the week, write in, let us know what yeah. comics you're reading this week, what you love about them. I'd really love to hear uh, what what those are. Um, but that's going to do it. Uh, I guess, oh, I guess we should do our personal stuff. Sure. At Bobby Shortle on Twitter and Bob. At Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. Um, and now that's going to do it for the Talking yeah. Comics podcast. See, for you this did week. it this week. I did. I, I interrupted myself. Yeah. One more thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so for Bob. Good night, all. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Continued.